What's going on, y'all? My name is Brian Sanchez, and welcome to Living the Magic. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are. Thank you so much for tuning in, clicking on the podcast. It is a Saturday morning where I am right now. I'm enjoying a nice hot cup of coffee, a little Joffrey's coffee, the official coffee of the Walt Disney World Resort. Ybor City Blend, because I was born in Tampa, and I didn't know that Joffrey's was a Tampa-based company, so kind of cool. Going to do some news stories, going to recap Moon Knight, and I'm going to do the big topic today is comparing Walt Disney World, specifically the Magic Kingdom, to Disneyland. As someone who grew up going to Walt Disney World, finally got a chance to go to Disneyland for the first time, I have thoughts, I have opinions, I have comparisons. We'll get into those and which one I think is better. It may surprise you. I want to dive into the news of the week, just recapping some things that happened around Disney and a Universal story as well. Uh, So we'll dive right into it. The Main Street Electrical Parade has returned to Disneyland. This is where this parade belongs. It feels like it fits and deserves to be on the streets of Disneyland and fans were loving it. I loved watching the videos. I'll link one or two in the description of some of the folks that got some really awesome footage of the parade. It looks fantastic. I love that new finale float that it debuted that has characters from Encanto and Aladdin, a couple other uh, of the newer films. It's, it's a fantastic parade. I thought it was interesting. You know, every time that Disney kind of brings new stuff back, of course, they're going to bring new merch. Lounge flies, spirit jerseys, things like that. Fully expected them to do that in Disneyland. Was not expecting them to do that in Disney World, but Main Street Electrical Parade merch showed up in Disney World, and of course it sold out fairly quickly. Now, most of this stuff is not limited edition. Uh, I think they are going to be restocking stuff, but popcorn buckets, of course, sold out quickly. Lounge fly bags sold out quickly. Spirit jerseys, cups, things like that. But I found it interesting that they're selling merch for a parade in Disneyland that is not offered in Disney World, but they're selling the merch in Disney World. But I guess that's what you do when you're trying to make billions upon billions of dollars. If someone's willing to pay for it, they're willing to put it on the shelves. Got another huge announcement of things returning to the Magic Kingdom this year. August 12th, apparently, is now the new start of the Halloween season because Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party is returning. This event has not been put on in its entirety for a few years with the pandemic and everything. Last year, we got Boo Bash, which was like a little smaller version of this. Uh, I believe they also said that they're going to bring Oogie Boogie Bash back to Disney California Adventure, which looks like a really cool event as well. But, uh, Disney social medias were full of the Sanderson sisters. There was tons of stuff going on. Announced again, like I said, August 12th, which kind of makes me mad because my birthday is August 26th, and I like summer for my birthday. August should not be the Halloween season just yet. But if you want to celebrate early, more power to you because, I mean, halfway through October, I'm ready for Christmas anyway, so at the same time, I kind of get it. The Sanderson sisters, of course, will be featured prominently in this, along with characters from The Nightmare Before Christmas, which I think is a Christmas movie, but let's move on from that. 
and of course trick-or-treat trails and everything else that you'd expect will be returning as well as some new costumes for classic Disney characters, Minnie and the gang. I'm just really excited that we're getting these big after parties back. Uh, more offerings coming, returning. I think the price ranges, again, links in the description for uh, the press releases and stuff that Disney put out, but I think the tickets started around $99 and go all the way up to $199 for peak days like Halloween itself. Switching over to Universal for a really quick, interesting news story. Uh, last week, Comcast was doing an earnings call, uh, and when talking about the parks, they said that the parks continue to be a driving force in the company and a major focus, which for theme park fans, we love to hear that stuff. That means they're going to be investing more and more in the theme parks. And of course, recapping some of the upcoming projects they mentioned, Epic Universe is, of course, coming to Orlando. No big surprise, they already announced that park. The big surprise, though, was that they talked about Super Nintendo World being the anchor of the new park. And that was, I think, a little bit of a slip-up, accidental confirmation that we're getting Super Nintendo World and Epic Universe. Now, if you follow Universal Rumors at all, I'm sure at this point you are 100% familiar with Alicia Stella from Parkstop. She has been covering rumors around Universal for the past few years, and she's basically become the go-to person for the community to go be looking for rumors, and she's been spot on with almost everything that she reports. Does fantastic work over there. But she's been saying that Super Nintendo World's gonna come to Epic Universe for a very, very long time. There were a few thoughts that maybe Super Nintendo World would go into an expansion and a redo of KidZone in Universal Studios Florida, but it seems that they accidentally confirmed that it's going into Epic Universe. I find it interesting that Universal doesn't really announce a whole lot. Like, they will wait till the very last minute to announce anything. Uh, whereas Disney seems to be dropping announcements every other day for things that are five, six years down the road and that just never come to be. So, interesting dynamic between the two parks and their strategies. But hey, it works for all parties involved. But yeah, Super Nintendo World seems to be coming to Epic Universe. I believe that park is rumored to be opening in 2025. Like I said, we expected Super Nintendo World. We're also expecting the Donkey Kong roller coaster to be going in there. Construction has already started in Hollywood. Ground grading and some initial foundations and stuff are starting to take shape at Epic Universe at the site there. So you can follow uh, BioReconstruct on Twitter does fantastic aerial photography, seems to come up with amazing footage every other day, finding new stuff. So if you want rumors, Park Stop, and of course, BioReconstruct on Twitter. Two quick movie-related stories. One, we got an announcement for Haunted Mansion's release date. This is a film. No word whether or not this is going to actually be tied into the Eddie Murphy film from the early 2000s. I don't believe it is. It feels like it's going to just be rebooted entirely. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Tiffany Haddish, Danny DeVito, bunch of really good people involved in this. We finally got a release date for this film and it is scheduled to be released on March 10th of 2023. I find it interesting that this is Haunted Mansion, kind of a spooky movie. Why wouldn't this come out during like the Halloween season? 
probably has a lot to do with patterns of folks going to the theaters. It's definitely drastically shifted at this point. Folks don't seem to be going to the theater nearly as often and at, at certain times of the year anymore. So that's probably why they chose to release this in March instead of closer to Halloween, maybe, you know, in October. But I think it would make more sense. But who knows? Maybe it, it ends up on Disney Plus and or on digital by the time October rolls around. So they get a big theater release in the spring and then hopefully like a home video driving force in the fall. But we'll definitely keep an eye on that because that film looks to be a lot of fun. And of course, who doesn't love the Haunted Mansion? And then of course, the other Disney film related news is we got a brand new trailer for Chippendale Rescue Rangers. This is uh, a new film. And I'll be honest, the first trailer that we got, I was not a fan of. I didn't particularly like the choice to make Chippendale actors that were in a show a long time ago called Chippendale Rescue Rangers. And then it was going to be this whole like real life take on what their lives became after the show ended. I found it kind of weird. I used to love Chippendale Rescue Rangers as a child and I was really attached to it and I was just kind of hoping that the adventure would continue. But that was the choice that they made. But, you know, like I said, the first trailer I was not a huge fan of. This trailer, however, we dove a little bit more into what the story is, and apparently there are cartoons in this world now that have gone missing, and this one gives me major Roger Rabbit vibes, and now I understand what they're doing, and I'm 100% for it. This looks to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of that self-referential humor. Again, think Roger Rabbit. There'll probably be a couple of Roger Rabbit references in there, based on the animation style and the comedic style from the trailer. It looks fantastic. I am way more excited for this film now than I was a couple of weeks or a month ago when the first trailer came out. So again, links in the description. If you haven't watched that trailer, you can definitely go check it out. We'll link it below in the show notes. That's basically all the news stories. Uh, when we come back, I'm going to talk about Moon Knight. So if you haven't watched Moon Knight, this is your spoiler warning because I'm about to dive into some stuff and talk about how this has basically been my favorite of the Marvel shows, and this might actually be the best episode of television that they've done for Disney+. I want to take a brief moment and give a huge thank you to the folks who support the show on Patreon. Both of them. A user named Mythos and my mom. You've been the lone supporters of the creative work I do for the past six years, and from the bottom of my heart, I thank you so much. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, it's possible you've just forgotten it's a reoccurring charge on your card. I don't know, either way, thank you for sticking with me all these years. Now, if anyone would like to join the ranks of these wise investors like Mythos and my mom, you can support this show and all the projects I do at patreon.com slash signalpointmedia. You'll get early access to all the shows, previews of some of the new things that I'm working on, and you may even get a special shout out on your favorite show. So once again, thank you so much to Mythos and my mom. Wednesdays has become Moon Knight night in the Sanchez home. My wife and I are absolutely loving this show. Give Oscar Isaac all the awards. Emmys, give him an Oscar. I know it's TV, but give him an Oscar as well. Give him a Grammy, everything, because the man is doing fantastic work on this show. Again, spoiler warnings, I'm not going to dive 
too deep. I won't give like a full recap, but I just want to give a couple of thoughts. So hopefully you saw the episode before listening to this review. If you haven't, you can skip ahead because I don't want this to be spoiled for anyone who hasn't seen it. But um, first of all, this show is incredible and I'm loving the fact that this show can basically stand alone. If you've been living under a rock for the last 15 years, however long it's been that the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been around and you haven't watched any of them, there is no learning curve for this show. You could just dive right in. It stands alone from the rest of the MCU, and I absolutely love that. I love that this is more about the character of Mark Spector than it is about some giant universe-altering thing. And that's kind of the norm with these Marvel shows, now that we've had a few of them. Yes, they're set against these big you know, world-changing events like the Hex with WandaVision and like a global group of terrorists on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but they become more about the inner character drama. And that's what I'm absolutely loving. And this one is definitely doing that. Set against this action-adventure story, Tomb Raider-y, Indiana Jones adventure that we're on where these Egyptian gods are fighting for control, what we're given is a story about a man who's dealing with childhood trauma and how that affects mental health and your mental state moving forward. And this last episode really confronted that when we got all the history about where the character of Steven came from and how it was created out of his need to shield himself from the abuse that he was getting from his mother and the trauma of losing his brother and feeling responsible and and then having your parent uh, you know abuse you and throw that in your face all the time it was heartbreaking it was heartbreaking to watch but it was so good the end of this episode where steven basically sacrifices himself to save mark to get him through the gates to get back to the normal world was a beautiful moment and again another heartbreaking moment that I found myself getting emotional and just when I thought that Mark was going to make it back to our world he ends up in what is essentially heaven like the field of reeds and that last shot oh man so beautiful standing there that look on his face that he realizes where he is and what's going on incredibly beautiful a very subtle slow like pull out and the music swells. Ugh, it was beautiful. I was not prepared for that right before bed because it was, it, was, it was crazy. We only have one more episode of this show left, and it makes me sad because I am loving this show so, so much. So I have a theory about how the show's going to end and what's going to happen. I don't have a ton of information about the character. I'm not familiar with the character of Moon Knight. I've never really read the comics, anything like that, but I have kept hearing about a third personality that apparently lives inside of Mark Spector. There was even a reference to something similar that they haven't really answered in like the second or third episode. There's a moment where Mark and Steven are being attacked on the rooftops in Cairo, and they keep kind of jumping back and forth between Mark and Steven. And then they kind of jump forward in time a little bit, like what seems to be a few minutes, and all the people that were attacking them are now dead. 
except for like one or two people, and they start to run in fear of them. And Mark and Steven both kind of blame each other, call each other murderers. And it seems that neither one of them was responsible. So who was that? And they kind of just glossed over that and never really addressed it. So there seems to be a third personality in there that needs to come out. And this is where my theory comes in. And again, I don't have any inside information that this is what it is, but I I think it would be kind of cool. But I think that the character of Harrow, I think that is this Jake person. I think Harrow is essentially the same person as Mark and Steven. I think it's all happening, three of them in his mind. I think that could have been another person that he created, maybe to protect himself from the monster that he became. So as a child, he created Steven to protect himself from the trauma and the stress of, you know, everything with his mother. He became a mercenary. He became the avatar for Kanshu. And even Harrow said that Harrow used to be Kanshu's avatar. And after all the trauma that he was put through with Kanshu, he now serves Amet. I think this could be another situation where Mark had to cut that part of his personality off because it was becoming the very thing that he was trying to protect the world from, which ultimately was himself. If that makes any sense, if that tracks. Again, I haven't heard anyone say anything like that, so it's probably wrong. It's probably me reading too much into it. So, But I think that the third personality inside of Mark is in fact Harrow. But yeah, that's just my guess. Or it's Mephisto. Who knows? All right, when we come back after this last break, I'm going to finally give my thoughts and opinions about Disneyland. As a lifelong Disney World and Magic Kingdom visitor, I finally got a chance to go to Disneyland this past year, and I never shared my thoughts comparing the two, so I'm going to dive into that after the break. I want to take a brief moment and give a huge thank you to the folks who support the show on Patreon, both of them, a user named Mythos and my mom. You've been the lone supporters of the creative work I do for the past six years, and from the bottom of my heart, I thank you so much. Although, now that I'm thinking about it, it's possible you've just forgotten it's a reoccurring charge on your card. I don't know, either way, thank you for sticking with me all these years. Now, if anyone would like to join the ranks of these wise investors like Mythos and my mom, you can support this show and all the projects I do at patreon.com slash signalpointmedia. You'll get early access to all the shows, previews of some of the new things that I'm working on, and you may even get a special shout-out on your favorite show. So once again, thank you so much to Mythos and my mom. So I'm 34 years old. I believe I was only a couple of months old the first time my parents took me to the Magic Kingdom. So I can say that I grew up in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando. So I literally grew up hearing stories about Disneyland and how the entirety of the park can fit in the parking lot of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, Things like that, just little differences, and I've always been fascinated with the history, of course, as all Disney fans are. You know, it's the park that Walt built and walked through, and that his presence is felt there, and in recent years, following vloggers and news sites, you know, the reviews, Everyone always says things like the food and the level of detail and the rides and everything is just seems to be better in Disneyland, blah, 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 blah. 
finally getting to go last year for the very first time. And there's a lot of merit to a lot of those opinions. My biggest impression of Disneyland was in fact the size and that it was substantially smaller. And at first I thought that that would be a hindrance on my experience, that I would feel like it was lesser or cheaper because I was used to this giant castle and this huge sprawling lands and just the, the sheer size of everything at Walt Disney World. But what I came to appreciate walking around as we spent our day at Disneyland was how charming it is. And I mean that in the best way possible. It's so childlike, again, in the best way possible. I really did feel like I had been shrunk down into a miniature. I found myself looking around corners into little random nooks and crannies and just admiring the level of detail of the theming and how every essentially square inch is accounted for and thought through. And that is something that overall I don't, I don't think that you get in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando. Talking about it with my wife that day and in the subsequent weeks, and it's been a couple of months now since we went, the best way I can describe Florida is it feels magical. It feels like you're in another world and it's these big, broad strokes. It's like the scale is something else. I don't feel like I've been shrunk down into like a miniature. I feel like I've been magically transported or the world around me has been magically transformed. Whereas in Disneyland, I feel like I've been shrunk down into a beautifully designed miniature, if that makes sense. Two very different experiences. Even though the parks are laid out fairly similarly, most of the attractions are kind of the same. You know, we've both got It's a Small World, we've both got Pirates, we've both got Haunted Mansion. Like, but of course, the differences are there. A couple of things that I liked more in Disneyland than I did in Disney World. And one was the food. The food in Disneyland was incredible. Absolutely delicious. Everything that we ate. The very first thing that I bought was a banana. Then we had breakfast chimichangas and coffee. We ate churros for lunch. We had corn dogs in Frontierland. It was incredible. The Disneyland corn dog is not overhyped. Of course, you had to get a Dole Whip. Uh, we had a Matterhorn macaroon. We got slushies. We've got all these different treats. But at the end of the night, we finally made it over to New Orleans Square to get some peppermint beignets and a mint julep. And at the end of the night, when we were just so exhausted and to sit there in New Orleans Square and watch the people go by, uh, we could kind of see the Haunted Mansion holiday was on. So all the decorations around uh, Haunted Mansion and stuff. And then just enjoy that mint julep and those beignets. It was like the perfect way to end the night. So snacks, top notch in Disneyland. The history was the other thing that I really, really enjoyed to the max. Um, I think sometimes we can get a little ahead of ourselves and overhype 
the like, oh, you can feel the presence of Walt in the parks or this kind of thing. And maybe some of it is a manufactured thing in our heads. But I really, truly did feel like there was something else in the air when I was walking around, particularly on Main Street. Walking up and down Main Street really made me feel like I was walking in a spot where Walt had been. And of course, standing under the fire station with the lamp in the window and knowing the significance of, you know, that lamp in the window and, and everything. I Again, I got emotional. It was a really, really interesting feeling that I was not expecting, but I loved every single moment of it. And it was, it was present throughout the entire day, whether it was when we got to ride the Matterhorn by ourselves, they evac the four people in front of us, but my wife and I were left on and then they just kind of sent us on our way. And it just felt like we had the entire place to ourselves. And it was a really, really sweet moment. Uh, we watched the Christmas parade, Haunted Mansion holiday, all of that stuff. It, it just it just felt magical and it felt like something else was going on. It was really great. The last thing that I liked more in Disneyland than I do in Disney World was Pirates of the Caribbean. The Walt Disney World version of Pirates of the Caribbean is my favorite ride anywhere. I think a lot of it comes from nostalgia. And as a child, I loved that ride. I love the imagery and the history of pirates and it's like a romantic thing. And to me, I always thought that New Orleans Square was a weird spot to put pirates because pirates belongs in Adventureland. I mean, ships and cannons and swords and, and treasure maps and all that, like that is Adventureland to me. Pirates should be in a Spanish fort. So the fact that it's inside of this building in New Orleans Square and then you start off by going through the Blue Bayou in a swamp, it always felt kind of weird knowing that that's what it was. But when I finally got to experience it, it changed my opinion. And it works so well. And this whole slower, longer intro to the ride, going through the caves and going around the, the Blue Bayou and seeing all that, I understand now that it's a situation where you're telling a story and you're kind of being swept away into the past. And you leave that other world behind and you end up in the world of pirates and history and all that stuff. And it works so good. It's, it's fantastic. Those sets of the skeletons and the treasure and all that in the caves, bravo. So well done. So intricate. I want to ride that so many times to go and find all the little hidden details in there. Uh, and I can honestly say that my favorite attraction at any of the Disney parks is in fact Disneyland's Pirates of the Caribbean. The one thing that I think Disney World Magic Kingdom has going for it more than Disneyland is Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland and Disneyland at this point, I can honestly say, is a disappointment. Space Mountain is still incredible. But the rest of the land needs so much work. And I finally understand Disneyland fans when they talk so much about how they want a fix to Disneyland's Tomorrowland. The people mover. Please, Disney, give the Disneyland folks their people mover back. I 
fully understand it now. I love the Disney World People Mover. The Disneyland one deserves to come back. Honestly, I think that's really the only thing on the surface that Disney World's Magic Kingdom has going for it that's better than Disneyland. It's difficult to compare the two because like I said, they're giving two different experiences. But ultimately, it's a podcast and this is what we do in fandoms is you rank and you got to give your opinions and prefer and pick a side. And as much as I love Disneyland and I have that memory and I want to continue going back and build those memories, the memories that I have in Magic Kingdom are just way too strong. Memories like riding the People Mover with my abuela and abuelo as my parents took my brother on Space Mountain when I was too young and or too chicken to get on it. Hiding under the awnings on Main Street to try and get out of the rain on so many days when we went and it would be stormy days in the parks. The memory I have of getting to take my wife on her very first trip to Disney because she never went to a Disney park as a child. She only went for the first time in the last few years. And so I get to build those memories with her. And ultimately, I still feel like the Magic Kingdom is home. But I look forward to, over the years, building new memories and making Disneyland feel like a second home. Those are just my opinions. Those are my thoughts about my first trip to Disneyland. Uh, What are your thoughts? You know, do you have a preference? Do you prefer Disneyland over Disney World? Why? Is it a history thing? Is it uh, a nostalgia thing? Did you visit there more as a child? I know that has a lot to do with what we consider fandoms and stuff. So uh, let me know in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or you can get at me on Twitter. Uh, I am at your primo Brian listening on Patreon, there's a comment section, all that stuff. Uh, Let me know your thoughts and opinions if you've made it to the end of this long-winded rant about Disneyland and the Magic Kingdom. All right, folks, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Just a reminder, again, Twitter, I'm on Twitter, at your primo Brian. Uh, reminding you to rate and review and follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Patreon, YouTube, or on the website at signalpointmedia.com. Of course, reminding that uh, if you would like to support the channel, the best way to do that is to become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. You get early access to all of the projects that we're doing, not just this show, Living the Magic, but We've got other projects coming down the pipe that we are working on. And I say we because there are other folks involved in this. We uh, have an NFL show that will start back up once football season kicks off. Uh, We have some scripted podcast stuff that I'm working on. And that's really the main thing. Uh, Some audio drama stuff, Disney related, some not Disney related, some original adventure type audio dramas coming down the pike. Uh, but again, if you want to support the channel and learn more about that stuff, you can check it out at patreon.com slash signal point media. All right. That's going to do it for me again. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Enjoy your week. And as always, I'm galoosh. <laughs>